And particularly I have a practice first thing in the morning. So that's where I sit down and I check in with four things. I check in with the divine. I check in with myself. I have a dog. So I check in with her. Um, and then I check in with my body. And, and as I'm going through that, there are a number of things that I want to understand. I want to understand my energy level and the engineer in me, I actually assign a number to it. Zero is I might as well be in the grave and a hundred is I'm flying to the moon. But the reason I do it is I want to know if that number has drastically changed. And if so, why? Because obviously if it's gone down, then I want to say, hey, wait a minute, something's happened. I need to have a little more self-care today. Or I need to create space to be kind to myself because the engineer in me at least is like, no, we're going to drive to whatever. What story are you telling? Whether you're intentional about it or not, you have an audience and they think in story. The Doug Thompson podcast features diverse storytellers sharing their practical tips for telling the story they need others to envision and trust in order to take a new action. Here's your host, Doug Thompson. In this episode, I talk with Jennifer Peavy. She is an engineer, a creative, an author, and she has her black lab as part of her avatar. So that's a bonus. But she tells a, a great story of transformation in her life, and she has some practices every day that help her stay in touch with her story, some things to be aware of, things to look at uh, from, from that perspective, and talking about how to sort of master that inner voice that sometimes tells you you're not enough. So sit back and enjoy this episode with Jennifer Peavy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Doug Thompson podcast. Uh, I am your host. That would be the Doug Thompson. And today I have sort of a multifaceted storyteller. She tells stories from a visual perspective as an artist. She tells stories from the written word. She's an author of a book, and she's got an audio book coming out, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So she actually has a little flavor to that. So Miss Jennifer Peavy, how are you, Jennifer? I am doing great, Doug. It is so glad to I'm so glad to be here. I am so glad that you joined me on this Monday morning here. Uh, and I was, we'll get to a post that you did earlier today. I know it sort of dates it a little bit, but um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. And uh, you know, you got all kinds of artistic stuff behind you. I know the, the listeners can't see it, but I may get mesmerized by it. reminds me of a spirograph thing I did when I was a kid way back in the day. Absolutely. So yes, the art is actually string art. So yes, I was into spirograph in the day as well. So this was one reason I was really attracted to it. This was one of my pandemic things. Um, I entered the pandemic unemployed. I had left uh, corporate America burnt out. I did take a contract position and then took some time off to raise a puppy. I call it my paternity leave. <laughs> and then as I was coming out of that, or as I was finishing my paternity leave, we went into the, the lockdown. And so I had offered myself, I have an engineering background, I have innovation management and I have design and each of those had their own processes. And so when I would go out into the marketplace, people wanted to pigeonhole me into one of those. And I felt like, no, I, I have all of this stuff that I have to offer. I, my superpower is making non-obvious connections. And so I spent the pandemic going through and developing my own personal process on how was I going to differentiate myself? How was I going to present myself? And what did I have to offer when it came down to that? And one of those that I ran through that process were, was this string art. 
was this idea of what would what would be profitable because one thing I had always wanted to do was to be a working artist so what slightly profitable I didn't expect it to be a lot but how much what, time what, is that what yeah. it was yeah, and what would I put together? So it's kind of nice that you, you bring that up. Well, that's that's an excellent thing. And that, so that's an interesting thing. You 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 start off in a, you know, I know a lot of people, their companies, you know, said go home, and a lot of people were out. And and I guess you were already sort of in that unemployment, but looking forward to the next thing. Yeah. How how was that mindset? That had to be a bit challenging for you. That that was probably the biggest issue that I dealt with with because I had spent my entire life and been brought up that I needed to be employed. This idea of going out on my own and being an entrepreneur, I had a lot of people, because I'm an idea person. I'm the wild, crazy one that puts all these non-obvious things together. And everybody said, you need to have your own business. And I thought, no, I can't do that. That, you know, that, that I didn't want to do the management part of it, but I didn't, I also did not believe in myself because I was in the mindset that I must be employed by somebody else. And particularly as I got older, and, you know, I turned 50 when I went to the paternity leave. So I took 50 days off for that. So then there was that line that said, oh, no, Jennifer, you don't start that now. And the beauty of the pandemic was, is that I had long enough to think about it. I would get through one month and then I'd get through another month and then I'd get through another month. It's kind of like, you know, crawling before walking and then walking before running is I found myself being able to survive. And now I'm in a place where I'm starting to thrive. And, and the big thing was I had to learn how to trust myself. And that was part of what the structure gave me is I would spend time intentionally reflecting because my intuition is very strong. And so I knew if I thought about things, I would know what I wanted to act on and therefore be more efficient and higher quality and all that type of stuff. But if I would take a small bite and typically it was about a month or a moon that I would stop and go, okay, what did I do? What did I want to do over the last time period? And then I would look at it. And the engineer side of me, I was analyzing it and I would pick it apart and look at it and go, you know, I set an intention or a dream and the engineer and me would end up with all these details down the path and I would lose that. But then when I would review it, I'd go, you know what? You met that three weeks ago. I don't know what you've been doing for the last three weeks going down these rabbit holes, but you already met that. And that allowed me to start to trust myself more. And then I would take a little more risk. I would, I would do a little bit more. And so the mind shift was that I can do this, that I need to save myself and that all the possibilities are out there and I'm going to be okay. That's, you know, that's, and, and I, and I guess looking at the, there's a lot of things that the pandemic sort of forced us all into. We didn't have a, and, there, I, and there's other people I've talked to much like yourself is that they've been thinking about things, but didn't trust themselves and all that. And then like, oh, crap, you know, now I have to do something. Sometimes things happen. I'm I'm sort of a big big fan of karma and things happen for a reason. Um, not to put the pandemic blame on you, don't you? No. <laughs> there were a lot of us, you know, linked in that. So yeah, no, it's it was a big thing that but I I did think it helps us sort of reset our lot a lot of us reset our lives and look at what's important. And, and you know, you get to experience life at home and, and things like that. I did want to, I want to go back and revisit a couple things on that because um first of all the pigeonholing thing and, and you know a lot of people have that perception so so they see me as a sales nerd and that's what what i'm you know it's what i do i've done all my career but much broader than that it's the ability to sort of tap into stories to to use that and you can you use that outside of it so i i know there's a lot of engineers out there and engineers a lot of engineers i met suffer from the 
perfection problem in that they will keep designing and designing because I know I can design it better. I know I can design it better. I can, and, and they let the good be the enemy or, or the great be the enemy of the good, right? So you started reiterating. So did you go through some of that as well and trying to sort of repurpose or, or I guess maybe the reflection allowed that engineer part to be, be more efficiently used? Yeah, or satisfied. I, I think what happened, my big mind shift from, I won't say from engineering, but the battle that I have is in my 40s, I went back and got an industrial design degree. So you can imagine the whole, let's not you know deal with one another, the, the whole details versus the big creative um, fuzzy side of things. And so what I learned in my degree that I really used during this time period was the idea of iterations which allowed the engineer to have a really good time in that small bite. And that's the big thing I've done is just put a little boundary and said, okay, you only have three days to make this prototype, which means you're gonna to have to think creatively about how to make this thing work good enough. And then it's okay. Once we get that, we might do some iterations on refining it. And then the whole next dreaming cycle, we may say, okay, now let's up our game another level. But taking those small bites I liken it to the idea of building a wall and today is only about today's brick. That also allowed me, again, that trust myself, but it was a bite I could control. And then with the reflection, I was able to step back and see that entire wall and say, oh, look, I'm making progress. And that, that helped me a great deal, just balancing between the two. I didn't abandon one or the other, but I, but it was just trying to have a conversation between those two entities. It's, it's sort of like shifting the workload a little bit, balancing, as you said, balancing it out by all the different aspects that you had. And you talk about the, the reflection piece of that. So I have, I meditate every morning uh, for a bit, but my mind's a very busy place. So, you know, the meditation is not sitting on some block somewhere with my legs crossed and in doing it's constantly a battle of, okay, refocusing, come back here, you know, because my mind constantly is a little quiet spot and off it goes somewhere else. And I have to, you know, okay, it's fine. Bring it back. Um, how, how did, did you have some of that, uh, you know, in, in you know, with an engineer's brain, trying always trying to solve problems? I imagine you did. Oh, I had that problem this morning. That I, you know, <laughs> what I find is I give myself prompts and particularly I have a practice first thing in the morning. So that's where I, sit down and I check in with four things. I check in with the divine. I check in with myself. I have a dog. So I check in with her. Um, and then I check in with my body. And, and as I'm going through that, there are a number of things that I want to understand. I want to understand my energy level and the engineer in me, I actually assign a number to it. Zero is I might as well be in the grave and a hundred is I'm flying to the moon. But the reason I do it is I want to know if that number has drastically changed. And if so, why? Because obviously, if it's gone down, then I want to say, hey, wait a minute, something's happened. I need to have a little more self-care today. Or I need to create space to be kind to myself. Because the engineer in me, at least, is like, no, we're going to drive to whatever. Yeah. Might Fun not be just the engineer, but my upbringing type of thing. On the schedule. We got to get there. <laughs> got to get there. We have deadlines. And then the, then the idea of if it went up, well, that's something that I want to have happen again. So how do I recreate it? Because I want to design a life that I love. What, let's put more good in my life. But I also then will go into what am I grateful for? Because that also is a positive thing. It makes me really reflect on the day before. But then I go into what am I scared of or what am I uncomfortable about? So I'm doing Airbnb right now. And I had a guest this weekend. I didn't appreciate what they were doing. And it's the first time I've had that issue. So this morning's was, 
how am I going to navigate this review? And I've, you know, dealing with Airbnb and, and all of this type of stuff and still come out of it feeling like I have integrity and, you know, I didn't get personal, you know, that, that was the type of thing that I went through. And so I, I flip it around and I say, I ask the whys and I know it's because I struggle with standing up for myself. So that's the reason I'm scared of all of this, but then I'll flip it around and say, you're going to do fine. Take your time and you will handle this beautifully. And once I did that, I was able to breathe and able to do it. But that's what's spinning in my head. You know, when I cannot meditate is because this thing is irritating me. And then the last thing I put on there, uh, the last prompt is what is it that I need for today? I call it desire, but it's what is it I need to nourish me today? So we've had some snow and my refrigerator is empty. So it is time for me to finally go to the grocery store. <laughs> so I just put that down there. It can be food. It can be um, uh, emotional. It can be like, sometimes I'm like, I need laughter. So I need to change what I'm watching on television because I'm watching too many crime dramas. So I need to have laughter, but that type of thing. I like to have prompts. No, that's, that's, it's very organized, very engineering of you. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, know, you you talk about, in listening to you discuss this discussion that you're having with yourself, it's, I did the TED talk a couple of years ago and talk about this inner bully that comes on. And it sounds like that's the voice you're, you're negotiating. It doesn't bully you all the time, but it is your subconscious sort of kicking into gear, doing what it's supposed to do is protect you and and, and do this. And it's something that you're, you're, you're apparently very aware of. Were you aware of this before you started taking this independent journey, sort of going out of corporate life? Or was it just sort of you were too busy to bother with it before. Well, I was aware of it, but but to your point, I wouldn't say I was too busy. Is I would be busy to avoid it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do that, that there's something going on in their life they don't want to face. And so let's just be busy so we don't have to deal with it. And I, I would do a lot of that is I would fill, I would fill a, a wound or a hole with all of these things trying to avoid facing this person. And this was my first time that, and I think part of it, the pandemic and having that space was being able to sit and say, all right, talk to me. And there'd be times that she would say, if you don't listen, why would I talk to you? You know, so it took some time to gain that trust, kind of like a bird or a eating out of your hand, that type of thing. It, it, yeah. It's, it's sort of sad that we have to earn trust with ourselves. It sort of seems, it's just, but, but it is, we, we have to do that. It's, it's part of as part of life, I, I learned to do that, you know, again, through meditation and through some other challenges I had is the, is the mindset that even though my mind's very busy during that 15 minutes, I'm meditating. Um, it is, it is a something that I do every morning. And if, and if I do it in the morning, I got to make sure I do it in the evening because it just, you know, I, all of a sudden there's something's weird, right? So something, you know, if you talk about like the post you did today on LinkedIn, you're talking about this, you know, this taking a trip, you know, and, and by the time we get to the trip, we're so focused on everything, we don't get a chance to relax because we're still focused on what was in the rearview mirror. Yep, yep, absolutely. So the idea of the journey versus the destination and saying that, you know, lots of times we're living for the weekend or we're living for something else, but we're not living where exactly we are. Um, and I think that was a lot of my pandemic experience as well was trying to be in the moment that I was in. I, I was not intentional about that. I, I, or that was not the word I would have used to say, this is what I'm trying to do. It is now a word that I try to use probably because 
I can now listen, we can have a conversation with my, that inner dialogue or that bully or that critic or the child or whatever we, all these different people that are inside of me and I'm not schizophrenic, but, but now that we can have a conversation, I feel safer being mindful and paying attention and saying, oh, the big thing for me was listening to my body. And that's one of those that I learned um, from a number of different sources is the idea that your body will never lie to you. Your brain will logic you into anything, which could be bad or good. But, and then being an engineer, of course, I am a really good logic person. <laughs> so the fact of being able to stop and say, okay, how do I actually feel about this? And then I'm starting to learn, what does it feel like when I'm scared? What does it feel like when I'm angry? What does it feel like when I am really white hot angry and I need to walk away type of thing? Um, the other interesting thing that's been happening is, you know, I've been learning how my dog deals with stress because I've had her since a puppy and, you know, I, there's a whole lot going on that whole trembling that a dog does like with thunderstorms and things like that. Yes. It's a sign that she's scared, but what she's physically doing is getting rid of the stress energy out of her nervous system. And so it's something that I have started doing is that when I'm stressed, okay, so we're just going to do a whole shaking thing around the house, you know, just to get that energy out. And I think that's something we often do is we stuff it down and say, we're not supposed to be feeling this way. And we need to be calm and force ourselves to be calm. And that's, um, that's not, it's going to be stored. If we don't get the energy out, it's, it's going to have to come out later. So that's a lot of, of where I'm going with it. Yeah. So it sounds like you did a lot of, again, sort of not anatomy per se, but how the mind and the body are sort of, how do they work together? Yeah. Not, not necessarily work together all the time. Sometimes they're working against each other. Exactly. And so I did a lot of uh, like gut health because like 90% of your serotonin comes from the gut and then sleep. I spent a lot of time going, okay, like six months going, okay, what does the temperature in the room need to be? When do I go to bed? When does the light come on? How do I wake up? You know, things like that. And found what works for me. So yeah. So I see the engineer comes out in all these aspects. <laughs> it does. It does. At the time, it, that was a perfect. I mean, I, for you. <laughs> yeah. The irony of it is that um, I don't like the structure, but I am happier because of it. How? So explain that a little bit about not liking the structure. <laughs> Well, the creative in me just wants my days to be free floating and I do whatever I want to do at any time. The problem is I am all about shiny objects and I will go find that shiny object and I'll go after that shiny and then nothing gets done. And then the bully will show up and go, you don't get anything done. <laughs> and so I had to say, okay, well, let's let the engineer come out. And I was a chemical engineer. So, I mean, I learned all about processes. Everything I did was about processes. And even what I'm doing now in project management, I've got a few clients and that's what I do is I help them with process. How do you do things? So it allows me enough structure to be productive, but then I have to create these little spaces where I get to just free things and do whatever I want to do. Yeah, I um, you talk about shiny object because I, I have that a lot. You know, if, if you go to the Clifton strengths and all that where you know, um, adaptability is my number one strength. And then right below that is input, which means I'm in this vicious cycle of, I'm going to find the end of the internet because I, you know, I'm adapting to things as I go along, which is sort of the enemy of it is, is anti-engineering because I'm sort of building things on the fly that's, that's going on. And it does, 
it does cause me not to get things, you know, I'm always at the last, oh, I got a presentation I got to give tomorrow. I need to work on that today. You know, it's, and I, I don't know if it's procrastination. There was, there's a, a, there was a YouTube video that um, I've got linked on my LinkedIn thing about inside the mind of a master procrastinator. And it fits me to a T when I look at it. It's just sort of the way, you know, the, uh, the instant gratification monkey comes out and wants to go ahead. So I, it sounds like you've managed to control that, or maybe you're wired a little bit different, but you know, I, I guess we should talk about that. <laughs> maybe what I do, or at least what I'm today's theory is I take little bites enough to keep it interesting. Cause I think the procrastination for me is because I'm bored. I don't want to work on that. It's boring, you know, but if I can put it in a little, put a bow on it and make it exciting for three days, you know, cause that's, that's generally what I'm going through is a cycle of three to five days, depending upon what I'm doing as I go through my process. That's about right. And I'm like, okay, we can do that. That'll work. So I, I find for me, it's like eating your vegetables. Can't have dessert all the time. So if I eat my vegetables, okay, I, they're going to put cheese and garlic on it and I'll be happy. <laughs> cheese and garlic solves a lot of problems. They yes, go. it does. So, so in this, in this post about the destination, all that, and, and we were talking before we started recording about, you know, I'm all about storytelling and, and teaching. And I, and I think the analogy that you use, because you talk about analogies and there was very appropriate for uh, storytellers that have challenged with that in that there's folks, I want to have a story. I've got this, but you know, I'm, I can't let go of everything and I don't see anything along the way. I, I maybe I've over-engineered my trip to get to where I want to go. And I miss the interesting things along the way. You know, for, for example, I was, uh, when I was moving my mother this weekend and, and I was at a place when I, we closed the door on the plate or in our old place. And that was like eight years of her life. And I said, you know, this is a great thing for my, for my perspective of just time passes so fast and the door closes, but there's opportunity in front of you. You can look at it one or two way, the door's closed. And now what do I do? Or, Hey, I'm off to a new adventure to go on and do that. And, you know, there was a purpose for the time we spent there. We took some learnings from that, but now we move on to another. So I, I, it's just sort of teaching people. And I caught thinking a story. It sounds like you've mastered that craft very well along the way. You, you had to focus it a little bit because you, you, but it sounds like you've mastered that. Well, I think one of the things that the, the thing that comes to mind for me that I struggled with was celebrating as I went along the way. So like that, that was a transition. And I think that's a lot of what we don't take time to do is not only celebrate those eight years and this wonderful place that she got to live, there may be some grieving as well that needs to happen is that, you know, we just move on, but we don't stop for a moment and go, you know what, it's sad that I have to let this go. And, and I, there was one definition I heard, grief is being able to say the things that are unsaid. Like if someone has passed away and you didn't get to tell them what you wanted to tell them, positive or negative or whatever it is, that's what eats at us. And that's what feels unresolved or at least that part of grief, not when we get beyond the emotions. Um, but then the idea of, of knowing that we are on a journey. So a, a very good example is while I was writing this book, I was in an iterative process with a hybrid publisher. So there, were, and I was also a member of a class. So we had about 200 of us doing this together. So a a community that was encouraging one another. And it was very iterative in the fact that we would write stories, we would submit it to an editor who would then give us feedback, much like what I did in design, where you, you know, create something out of paper and then create something out of cardboard and whatnot. 
And then we got to the point, we started putting Lego bots together of those stories and create chapters. And then those chapters um, eventually came to, into a final draft manuscript. And when we got to that point, there was a deadline. And when I got to the point, it was two weeks beforehand and I had planned out little bites because I knew I only had so much energy for this because it was new and I had never done anything like this before. So I took a little bite every day. And I would get to the point two weeks beforehand and I was able to hand my editor the draft manuscript. And she said, you have written a book. And really what we were told two to 3% of the, only two to 3% of people who started a journey like this actually get to that point. So it's a pretty big deal. And I, you know, thanked her. I'm on a Zoom call like this and I hang up and, and we're done. She then gave me some feedback because that was the point. It's a draft and it's a mediocre draft. She gave me um, feedback on one chapter and said, really, this is very meaty. You should consider splitting that into three chapters. And so I had two weeks and it took me about a week to write a chapter. So I thought, oh, let me see if I can clean up the one pull out what she thought needs to be put in another. And, and then let's think about it. About 24 hours later, and side note is, I do not like putting things back on my to-do list. It makes me really angry. Like when it's checked off, it is done, done. So 24 hours later, I am starting to work on these extra two chapters and this growl is going on inside of me and I am angry and I don't like it. And so this is a time, this is, maybe a time period I'd started listening to my body, but I at least knew I was not happy and I was growling and angry, probably tension, you know, in front of the computer. And what I realized, and I kept asking, so this, in these prompts, why are you angry? It's okay to be angry, but why are you angry? And it was like, because I put this back on my to-do list. But what I realized was my definition of a book was on the printed page with a hardbound cover in the bookstore. So even though she had said, you've written a book, I didn't believe her because I wasn't printed on hardbound in the bookstore. And I realized I needed to intentionally celebrate those moments. I should have been celebrating those stories because good God, I have never done this before. The fact that I spent time and was out there putting myself out there like this. And then when I, I really, my first chapter was awful. It took me the second time around to get it. I should have celebrated that just like I should have stopped and acknowledged that draft manuscript. And so it's gotten to the point, I actually put that in my process. There's a point that I say, we're going to stop and celebrate. And so I might go get, you know, a piece of ice or a piece of chocolate or go get a cheesecake or, you know, just a little something to say, you did a good job, no matter what turned out. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, you have the hero's journey in the book, mm -hmm. thing like that. Yep. And, you also have the hero's journey of writing the book, it sounds like. Yes, uh, yes. Off and you're going in and down and then, you know, oh, I got to rewrite. Oh, yeah. So it, it sounds like, you know, so th there's parallel stories going on all the time in this back. I mean, you've got, it's a, it's a great backstory that you told about, you know, the, the, here's, here's, here's what it is. And you had the reflection to sort of give us an insight into the, the making of the story sausage, if you, <laughs> if you want exactly. to do Exactly. It's not a pretty process, but it does repeat itself everywhere. And again, if you look for, for, for things with too, too often, we're too, too over-engineered too, like I said, we don't like it. So we'll just sort of push through it. Um, and it, it is somewhat, you have to be open to looking at it. And there was, a, you know, and I look for this all the time, but there's a period of last year where I really didn't feel like it. I, 
I was just sort of in whatever life or whatever I was in. I was I started a new job and I was learning it, so I was very excited about that. But I had every intention to sort of like doing a video blog at least every day, then once a week, then phew, a year went by. So you know, even even if we're aware, and my 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 point is, and and I, I this is true for you, but even though we're aware of it, doesn't mean that we're a hundred percent effective at managing all the time. No, no, but I think awareness is, you know, the great place to start because then you have a choice. You can make a decision at that point. And for me, that allowed me to feel like I had some control during the middle of a pandemic, just to be able to say, do you want to do this or not? And just being able to say yes or no to myself, it meant a lot, quite honestly. And I think that's a lot of where the, the joy and peace came from. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's really, and, and so I understand you, you did an audio version of this. That's coming I did. Up. Well, sure, what's the name of the book? And, so it's called Natural Reflectors. The show notes. Yeah, absolutely. So it is Natural Reflectors. Um, and so I was going through putting together a personal process based on reflection and action. And because I had this engineering, innovation, and design, I had these three models already there that are generally in conflict with one another. I chose to do something different and look for inspiration on how to put those two together. And I went to nature. And in my case, I was looking at the moon phases as a timepiece, but I was looking at like the seasons with an apple tree on how it would, what I would do when. So in the winter or in the darkness is when I reflect and I dream. And then when I go into the, um, the <laughs> now I've got these both running through my head, trying to get them straight. <laughs> Then I go through the waxing crescent, which is when I start to create um, a plan saying, okay, this is what I dreamed. How am I going to deal with it? Then when I get into the, the first quarter is when I make prototypes. So that's where I, and I take three days. So I take the day before and the day after. And then after that, I refine them. When I get to the full moon, I actually stop and I say, what happened? What are the insights that I can gain from all of this? What did I like? What did I not like? What worked? What didn't work? And sometimes with me, there are going to be a thousand other ideas based upon what I learned during that time period. Oh, you really should do it this way, which is a whole new project. And then after that, I actually make a presentation to myself. So it was something we would always do at the end of a project is you bring the client up and you say, this is what we learned. This is what we made. What do you think? And I was actually really good at that. I was good because I sponsored a lot of projects at the university and things like that. And so I was really good at giving critique, but I never gave it to myself. And so that was one of those epiphany moments to say, hey, stop and, and put a different hat on and look at this like you are the client. Because I was, I was my own client. Then I would document and then I would clean up and rest so that I would be ready for the next cycle. Um, but I could see other ways and other things in nature that people would uh, be attracted to. I, I've got a number of examples in the book of different ways that people interpret what happens in nature and then giving people some principles on how to find those and how to analyze those. And then finally, how to apply those to their lives. So and are you implying, and this is a little bit, because sometimes that gets a bit sort of ethereal for some people, are you implying that the actual, like, like a tide, the moon phases actually have impact on, on you? Or are you using the moon phases as sort of a, a metaphor analogy for life as you're going through those things and sort of a timing and repeating itself? Yes, I'm using it as a metaphor. I'm using it as a timepiece so that I know when it is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, when it is darker, 
is when I reflect and when there's more light, there's more action. And what that does, like we talked about earlier with the engineer needing boundaries, she therefore, you only have three days to make this prototype, you know, <laughs> and then you have five days to refine that prototype type of thing. But it, it keeps me in a rhythm and it keeps me from going down this pathway. And then it, the other thing that's really nice about it is if there's something, the bully shows up and says, Jennifer, you still have not gotten that done. It has been five years. Look at it. But look at that mess. I can go, you know, we're going to go back to the beginning of the cycle again. When we get to dream, if it's that important to you, we need to make that the top priority. And she'll go, okay. And it's over. You know, there's no nagging. There's no feeling bad for the next week. It's just a fact of, hey, you have every month a chance to set priorities. And this is, we, we have made some choices and we're going to go with it. Yeah. You've acknowledged the input and yeah. then put the, uh, you put the, uh, not impetus, but you put the um, obligation or whatever on them or on that part. I said, them, I'm giving to humans like arms and legs and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the, yeah. I Simon, by the way, and he's an idiot most of the time. <laughs> but, um, He's with me all the time, and yep. but I, I like the I like the metaphor. It, it is a cycle that's it's easy. You can visibly do it. You can track it on on a lot of different ways. So the engineers and the audience should really love that piece of it because it is predictable. Um, but but yeah, it does. And I and I like the meanings you put on each phase. Is when it is dark, you can't see much. So you you know this is a great time for reflection because you just. Yeah, it's like a blank canvas. If we go back to the to the art piece of this, it is like a blank canvas that you're looking at and you're envisioning sure. what's on there, right? And or then, a draw or an engineering drawing. We can right. do it that way. Right. The other thing I'm doing is I'm now looking at the year and saying, okay, the, the light of the year with the winter being darker. So I spent December resting of all things during the holiday season. I rested. And then January was about dreaming. So this was, what do I want 2022 to be? And I gave myself the whole month to dream. And now that we're going to be going into February, I'm going to start planning the year out. And then with the spring, I'll be doing prototypes because quite honestly, that's when I feel like it. And so that's what I'm also seeing is I, in my journaling or in, in my practice in my time is I've noticed that I do have, I do feel differently with the seasons. So when it's cold and dark, I'd rather hibernate. And when it's in the summer, I am all over the place with to-do lists. So yeah, I, and, yeah, and light has something to do with that. I mean, there there is no denying that fact of, of, of that where, you know, I lived in Seattle for six years and I'd have people that had these lights on because they get seasonal adjustment. You know, they didn't have enough light to do that. And because they would sit inside, I chose to go outside because there is still light, even if it's drizzly and cloudy. There's still light that comes through, and that helped me. The weather was, I rode, I rode my bicycle in weather nobody should ever have to ride in. <laughs> but, but I did, and that time I was like the dog, you know, shaking because I was, I was cold. Yeah, yep, absolutely. But yeah, I, I do like that, and I do like the season. So you give me a new way to think about this. And again, looking for stories on that, you've helped me find some tools and stuff that I can, that I can use to, to do that. Uh, better, more effectively. Again, I'm, I'm not disciplined enough to be an engineer. That's why I'm in sales. Cause I like to talk, talk to people and talk about technology. So I'm excited about that, but I couldn't sit there and do a drawing. I have friends that do that. And now I know so much. Great I understand. I was capable, but I was bored. <laughs> yeah, I understand. 
Well, excellent. So how do we get a hold of you? What's the best way to do that? And we'll, again, we'll put all these in the show notes. Absolutely. So my website is jenniferpv.com. And then my social media handle is at jennifer.theblacklab. Okay. And I take it the puppy is a black lab. Is that what? Yes, she is. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the domain name and I'm like, okay, there's got to be a story behind that. So now yeah. I have a story behind that. And part and how, of it was. How's the puppy? I don't see puppy pictures. That's come on. This is bad. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the, well, you'll see it at least. Um, she's part of my um, avatar. Okay. At least on at least on Instagram. Um, but part of it too is not only she's a Labrador, but um, when I was going through with design, you know, design was an ugly word, particularly to the engineers. And I also wanted to to say, what I'm doing is fuzzy front end. It's a lab. We're just experimenting. We're just trying things out. So. Uh, no, I like I like that segue. That's very good. You tie that in. Satisfy that engineer at all cost. Yes. <laughs> so, so thanks, Jennifer. And and good luck with the audiobook and all that. Good luck with the book and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here, Doug. Bye bye.